Arthur Alper and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is the editor of SB Nation's Giants blog, McCovey Chronicles. He's also a contributor to or editor of uh, Baseball Nation, the sort of umbrella site for all of the SB Nation baseball coverage, where he works alongside Rob Nyer, for example, and used to work alongside now Fangraphs contributor, Jeff Sullivan. The uh, the flimsy pretense, or not that flimsy pretense, upon which I've invited Grant Brisby to Fangraphs Audio is uh, has everything to do with the uh, recent World Series victory by the San Francisco Giants. However, um, like I say, that's really just the pretense. Uh, mostly, what it is is that um, Grant Brisby is one of a small handful of writers uh, writing about baseball whose work makes me actively jealous and. Uh, there have been too few occasions on which I've been able to talk to him, and so uh, I try and uh, take advantage of this one. I think that um, probably in what follows, we certainly do talk about the Giants and what follows. Uh, we also talk about our respective uh, medical conditions, the refulgent specter that is Giants shortstop slash second base prospect Joe Panic, Brisby's relationship with the the beat writers in the uh, San Francisco area. And a, a number of other topics. It, uh, it is a, uh, if you were being critical, you'd say it was a uh, disorganized, incoherent mess. If you were being generous, though, uh, you might say it is. Uh, it sounds a lot like a real conversation against all odds. Uh, but anyway, let's get to it right now. This is my conversation with McCovey Chronicles' Grant Brisby. It appears on Fangraphs Audio, and it begins right now. It's been a weird day. There was a doctor's appointment mixed in uh, to today. So usually noon, I'm showered and uh, doing something from a Covey Chronicles. Um, but I am unshowered and not doing something from a Covey Chronicles. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, right now you're doing something for Fangraphs. Yeah. There you go. Is this count yeah. as work for you? Is this work or is this uh, – why have you agreed to appear on this, this program? Oh, I uh, – it's my way of making a pass at Sullivan in trying to woo him back. Oh, right. Indeed, going deep into enemy territory. Now, with the Sullivan thing, how does that – I mean, I've, I've, um, you're talking about Jeff Sullivan, of course, who not who not only writes for Fangraphs now, uh, but wrote most recently for um, SBN um, – what do we call it? Sportsbook Nation? Baseball Nation, SB Nation, and as, yes, specifically Baseball Nation. Right, and which is where you write for when you're not writing for McCovey Chronicles, which is also itself under the umbrella of SB Nation. Yes, correct. Yeah, but uh, what was your interaction? How frequent was or is still your interaction with Jeff Sullivan? Uh, very, very frequent when we were working for Baseball Nation. Uh, Constant, constant, constant. Uh, we have kind of an online work chat room, and he thinks he's funny, and mm, yeah. I know that I'm funny. Yeah. And so there's that kind of competition where he thinks he's funny, and I have to, you know, prove him wrong. And, prove him wrong, right? Yeah. So there was there was the, the constant uh, interaction, and as a, you know, now we still exchange texts and, and emails, and uh, mm. he, he he's my little buddy. 
Like what? Like if he was going to send you, like if he was going to send you a text, like what would it say? Do you think? Uh probably something so rude he wouldn't want to email it. Like he thinks there's no paper trail when it comes to texts. I don't really. I'm not sure if he knows how texts work. No, it sounds uh, like he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, usually something really, really rude. Probably about someone else who writes, you know, about baseball on the internet. Yes. We we are just catty. You know, little bitches and. No, I yeah, I totally understand. I, I mean, I know. <laughs> talking with, uh, we will have a weekly meeting situation. We'll have a weekly meeting situation via Skype at Fangraphs, and I will uh, I will talk to Jeff there. I mean, usually uh, it's pretty clear he's not paying attention for the majority <laughs> of it, uh, but then he will draw. Um, he'll try and draw some attention to you know one of his issues, um, kind of you know grandstand. Yeah, that 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 sounds like him, and you know him as well as I do now, pal. Yep, that's it. That's a uh, yeah. But you know what? At the same time, uh, um, where adults, Grant, kind we of. have to, uh, you know, uh, life is miserable. We're, you know, you just got to survive it. I mean, I think that you would agree with that. Right, and nasty, brutish, and really, really long. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so long. but then it's short at the end too. You look That's back a- and you say, for what? That's what you say. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> for what all this? For what? For whom? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty bad. So, uh, well, that's great. I, I, of course, um, part of the reason uh, I've invited you here is probably to talk about the Giants at some point. Although, um, I don't know. I don't know if you and I – I don't know what sort of valuable things we're going to say about them. I guess – uh, one question, um, one question I had, and, um, and and I was talking about this, or I asked the same question of Dave Cameron a couple days ago, was this: is, um, and I'm going to guess the answer is a bit different for a Giants fan slash slash writer, which is when does the 2012 season end, and then when does the 2013 season begin? Uh, I mean, we hypothesized that the 2013 season for the Houston Astros, uh, for example, began quite a while ago. Sure. Um, and I know that – I mean, I, I, I assume that Giants fans slash writers are thinking about 2013 in the sense of who uh, will be staying and who will be going. I think, for example, Angel Pagan is a is a free agent. Uh, Marco Scudero, world Correct. playoff hero, Marco Scudero. Correct. Is that, is correct. that fair? That's fair to yeah. say. He he is one of those things, but um, but you've also just had a some sort of celebration and um, bacchanalian celebration in the streets of your fair city. So I'm curious for you what that looks like, what or if there's an overlap, maybe. Yeah, it's weird because there. I think once you get into the 2013, uh, the the as it were, I, th- I think you don't come back from that. You, know, you got to dive in, and it's it's like you know, that first taste of human flesh. You're not getting back to where you were, so it's it's. I, I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible. It's so tempting because there's so many topics. There's there's uh, talking about uh, Angel Pagan and Marco Scudero. I mean, you can go you know, Hunter Pence. I mean, he, he's not a free agent, but he's going to be really expensive. He's worth it. There's a hundred different topics that I could dive into, but I, I don't want to. I mean, I want to kind of linger a little bit more. But the problem with lingering is that you're pretty clearly lingering 
and maybe some people will get tired of it. So I don't know what I'm doing. I, I just hope uh, – I just want to talk about parades more. Yeah. Well, it's clear that you don't know what you're doing. I mean, I think that that, that point stands. With regard yeah, to the parade, you went to it. You yeah. live blogged it uh, sort of, but I think as you noted more than once, you don't care for crowds or people or crowds. Right. Yeah. Right. It, uh, crowds too. Not a big fan of crowds. <laughs> In addition. Yeah. Uh, but you were there. Yeah, I was. I was. Um, I was able to kind of get away from the crowds a little bit uh, in my little uh, uh, pseudo press area that was for like the um, the kitty press uh, while the real reporters were out there working. Um, I got a, a little space of my own to pace back and forth. and uh, It worked out well. And, and uh, if you're not, you know, jammed up against a barricade, you know, there was space to kind of walk around and, and – uh, uh, stuff like that on the, on the side street. So it wasn't as crazy as I was expecting. Cause when I'm thinking a million people in one place, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I can't fathom that. What's a million people in one place going to be like? I mean, I, I saw the pictures from 2010, but what's it going to be? Uh, what, what is a million people like? So it's you decided crazy. you didn't go in 2010. No, I didn't. I was actually uh, on childcare duty. Uh, I was watching my daughter and the person who usually watches my daughter and a pinch is my mom, and my mom would have knifed me to get to that parade. So there was no uh, uh, getting my mom to watch the kids so I could go. Your, your mom is a big Giants fan. Yeah, correct. That, she's, she's the reason I'm uh, big into baseball and, and talking to, to Carson right now. And yeah, in fact, I believe that uh, she uh, played some, some part in your piece for the Hall of Nearly – what was it? The Hall of Nearly, the Hall of ne- Nearly Great, Nearly Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, correct, correct. Yeah, she's a she's a huge fan. Uh, I grew up with season tickets and candlestick uh, because of her. That was her idea. You know, her Dragon Mount. My dad's a fan, but my mom's the super fan. And and it sounds like she's also not a lady um, who is who has any qualms about using violence from your decision. No, no, she'll shank you. Yeah. She'll, she will. She will. She is not adverse to a good shanking. Yes. Not at all. <laughs> um, do you think that she had like a clever line? Like if she if she stuck you, um, she would be like she'd say like kind of a cool way afterwards. She'd be like shank you very much or something. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah this is the end of the blade or yeah know, that that's even that's a terrible pun. My mom would come up with a much better pun than that. Like um she'd be like uh, shanks for the memories. Oh you know what she would do? She'd probably go. Now you get the point. Oh, oh, very nice. Yes, she, this is and then good. Then she narrow the eyes a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah, she'd do that. that that's, I like that's this something. lady already. I think you know her. I mean, deep down. I yeah, right. She's sort of an archetype. She's sort of a, a sort that you see in, uh, um, uh, like a nightmare maybe, like a night, like a, uh, a, a frightening <laughs> mother sort. Is she gonna listen? Are we gonna get? No, she no. she she has the internet. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think she knows how to use it. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to internet. Well, yeah, oh, it is these <laughs> days, especially in these times. I think we can yes. all agree. <laughs> um. So yeah. So you go to that parade, and and then now and now you're just there, uh, and then you're what? You wait. You you want to bask? You're still. Did we decide? Are you still basking? I think so. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a few more posts looking back, and and I honestly think. There is going to be a little overlap between the roster base and between looking back. I think I want to look back at all the players and, and uh, maybe highlight the 25 players who are on the playoff roster and kind of see how they contributed. I, I don't think that's going to be uh, too offensive to, to do that through December, January. And then, of course, I'll, I'll do the 
you know, should we sign Marcus Scudero post uh, that everyone is expecting and, and desperately waiting for right now? Um, D- desperately. Would, yeah, you know, right, of course. Uh, would, how is this working out differently thus far than, than 20, was it 2010? Yeah. That's not that long ago. It wasn't. It, it's different now because back then it wasn't my full-time job. So I was working full-time job trying to squeeze all this stuff around it, and I was really overwhelmed. I mean, I'm overwhelmed now with you know the, the glass case of emotions and stuff, but it's a different kind of overwhelmed. Back then it was just, you know, I had a, a two-year-old, and I didn't know what I was doing with any aspect of my life. Whereas here, there's like 5% of my life that I have a really <clears throat> good handle on. So I, I, I take solace in that five percent, and that's more than five percent, or that's more than before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, before was nothing. Zero. So now I've, I've at least got you know that 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 little core that I can hold on to and pretend I know what I'm doing. And I assume you have a four year old now. Yeah, yeah, correct. Because okay, you had correct. a two year old before. That is check out the big math brain on yeah, Carson. That's right. I do write fan graphs. Um, what is uh, does your child? This is a, a girl. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Did your child understand what you do? Kind of, uh, in that when baseball's on the TV, yeah, that's you know, daddy's working, and I think it, it took a, a long time for her to get that concept. Uh, now she gets it. She doesn't care. I mean, you know, she'll still throw throw things at my crotch and whatever yeah. four year olds do. Uh, yeah, she'll still do that. But at least she kind of gets it now that that you know, daddy's work revolves around baseball in some capacity, uh, but. Uh, Whereas before she didn't, so yeah, she gets it a little bit. You, you mentioned that you, you watch baseball for work, which is, I mean, that's a that's a real thing. I assume that there was a point in your life um, when you didn't watch baseball for work. I mean, that, it, not necessarily two years ago, because you said you were just doing you're doing McCovey Chronicles part time, but at a certain level, it's you're you're oblig, obligated to watch the game, and, and I'm sure that you like doing that. Right. Um, when was the time when you were first able to say? Because um, I know that I use this frequently as a re- uh, again, and have for the last like three years or whatever, uh, with my wife, I can say like I can be watching sports, or just like moving numbers around on a spreadsheet absently. Right. And right. I will. I'm I'm allowed to announce that this is for work purposes what I'm doing. Um, and it's nice. It creates a gray area that I can sort of hide in. It's um, I can protect Absolutely. myself and shield myself. <laughs> How long has that been a thing for you? And do you, I mean, do you remember when you f- were first able to start saying that? Uh, yeah, it was. I would say 2010. I mean, it was. There were things <clears throat> that I put up that are kind of sort of recaps, post game threads, uh, things like that. And I wasn't doing those in 2009 so much. And once I started doing those every night, then it became, uh, you know, honey, I can't attends X because it's the baseball game. Mm-hmm. And it was cute at first, um, you know, as opposed to now where it's like, how many baseball games do they play a season? I mean, after like the 140, you just want to strangle baseball. Yeah. The personification of baseball, just dig up Abner Doubleday and, and just strangle him. Um, but I think 2010 is when, when I really started to say, to say no, nah, I can't because of the baseball. And, and people took it seriously. Oh, right. And, and, um, I mean, you must have derived pleasure from it at first, as you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I still do, of course. I'm yeah, not right. Complain, except but, for uh, the wanting to kill. I do agree. I think. Well, <laughs> I think that, um, of course, the Giants were. Um, well, they. I guess they had clinched. I don't know if by game one forty, but certainly by somewhere in the mid one fifties, right? And so. Right. So I imagine there's a sense in September that you don't 
you just want it to be October. Right, right. I mean, it's it, there's it definitely more of a, a bittersweet quality to the end of the baseball season now than there was. It was just bitter before. You know, this is, this baseball's over and now I'm bitter. And I'm just going to, that old Rogers Hornsby quote that, that floats around every time this year, you know, I'm just going to stare outside and, and wait for spring. And also I hate, you know, most, most minorities. That's the part of the quote that gets Yeah, that does get, they cut that off a lot. Yeah, but, um, so there is, there, it's the bittersweet part where you're, you're looking forward to October. You're definitely looking forward to November. Um, and now it's, uh, now it's here. It's a little weird. Do you, know, you do you not uh, necessarily care for the because other things happen in the winter? Um, you've used the word rosterbation, which I refuse to use because I, I think that um, um, it's uh, uncouth. But you can, I mean, you can continue <laughs> to use it if you want. Right? No, and I will. No, it, it's, yeah, it's, that's right. Um, do, do, I mean, because I would suggest, for example, that like because of that, because of what's happening in September, like in because so many races are decided at that point. Or I would say, like right after the trade deadline, um, where there's very, where like uh, you know, again, a lot of races have been decided because it's August already. Um, I would say that's a tough part of the season. I think January is terrible, but I think that, for example, this time of year can be very exciting. Uh, certainly, like the um, the winter meetings can be very exciting. Right. I mean, this is all part of a conversation I have with myself sometimes. Um, it, which is to say, like, what are the what are the best and worst times of the calendar? Because just by its very nature, and I should say the baseball calendar, by its very nature, it's almost set up or it's set up in the same way that like a, you know, like the Christian calendar would be, in that you have high times and low times. You have, you know, you have Easter. I don't know what the equivalent of Easter is, Christmas, and then you just have ordinary time as well. But I'm I'm curious, like, for you, uh, what are the what are the high and low periods? Uh, definitely the high period, I, you know, I love September and I love of the races, even though, uh, there's, there's a lot to wrap your brain around and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I definitely love, you know, September, I love October, uh, the parts that, and I, I do well with hot stove stuff. You know, I, I like it cause it's all speculative. You know, you can, I can write an article about, you know, should the Royal sign Kevin Euclid? You know, I just kind of pulled that out of my other reasons now, but you could it, just, just write something on that if it interests you. And it, it, it's, you know, I'm taking this piece and trying to find the, the square peg and trying to find the square hole and stuff like that. I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, and it's when you don't have, all the games going on at once. You don't have 15 games that you, your schedule, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss, uh, someone hitting a 450 foot home run or, or a third base coach getting hit in the crotch with a foul ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're scared you're going to miss one of the nuggets that makes baseball so great. Whereas in the offseason, I mean, there's, there's nothing like that. You, the news is coming to you at a, at a pace that, that's a lot more comfortable. Um, but yeah, January's just dead. January is no good, uh, February to some extent. But I also, I, I hold a special, uh, seed of loathing for right around May too, because you have to pretend like you know things about the baseball season when you know nothing about the baseball season. You have to start writing articles like, you know, is X for real? Yeah. And, and, you know, the answer, you're gonna write, 800 words and at the end you're going to say but sample size and yeah. you know you're a fraud and you've chosen the wrong line of work and everyone hates you yeah. um, so May is, there's a little weirdness with May for sure it sounds like maybe a sort of existential crisis setting yeah. up yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I could see it, 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 it's going to happen every May. What's it all and... about? Well, you could still do something. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I know that in quite a bit of the work I do, I lean, I lean pretty heavily on uh, Russell Carlton's sample size. Um, right. His, his work on that, uh, Russell Carlton, right. uh, I think known as Pizza Cutter at the time. Uh, <laughs> and he, uh, of course, he did some great work on um, plate, like plate appearance thresholds, and at what point. Um, at what point certain metrics become reliable. And I still think that, like, I think that by, I mean, if you're looking for changes in players, if you're looking for developments, you could still find them in things like, are you okay, Grant? Yeah, for okay. sure. All right. What's, am are I breathing mo- heavy? There's like a, like rubbing. There's a lot of rubbing, like a rubbing sound. Oh, well, you know what? Do you hear that? That's actually what's going on. I think I was rubbing my neck, just uh, nervous. I get nervous when you I get, talk to. No, it's a, hey, li- listen. I talk to celebrities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. You I know. probably get it. Um, uh, no, me, no, I don't. Uh, no, I have no shame. That's the point. Yeah. Tell you what. Let me. Let me. Is, is this going to be breaking protocol if I put put this on hold for like five seconds while I let my cat out so it doesn't meow throughout no, the whole thing? That. Yeah, you can do the whole thing. I, I, yeah, but you can do whatever you need to. Now check this out. I'm going to take my my head or my earphone out. Yeah. And, and you are free to talk. I mean, just whatever's it. on your mind that you were not going to say with me listening, because um, I'm not going to listen to this podcast. No. Uh, so uh, you've got about, you know, 10 seconds of carte blanche. Yep. I'll be right back. Yeah, let's do it. This is the uh, portion of the episode in which Grant, Bris- Grant Brisby is going to let out his cat. Um, I, I, I'm i concerned. I, I want to get to the real Brisby here. I think that the answers have been – they've been certainly competent, but maybe professional. And uh, we're going to see if we can get into um, the tenderest parts of the – And we're back. Of All the, right. That... Of our guest. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no, I, he, listen, I, Grant. I don't want you to be nervous. I don't want you to be nervous. I want you to th- – this, this is a nice – this is a safe space. All right. All right. I will, I will stop the rubbing of my neck, which is my uh, – that's the, my trigger. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. yeah that's like what you, that's your go-to if you're nervous. Yeah, you got it. There's nothing. Um, yeah, there's nothing to be nervous about. We're just having fun. <laughs> All right, no, I'm, I am having fun. I will. Uh, I will. For nervous habit, I will uh, bite lustily at the uh, the inside of my like on the inside of my mouth. How? Yeah, and I will give uh, like a self-inflicted sores uh, on the inside. Yeah, that's. I've always done that. I also have a thing where. Um, I I pick at the part in my hair. I don't know if you ever you well you have short hair from what I remember. Right, right. It would it would not not be a lot of profit there. I have lustrous, uh, long lustrous hair. You know what I what I actually do is I have uh, I have psoriasis and it is uh, an itchy itchy affliction. And you generally, have psor- psoriasis. Yeah, yeah. So it's a skin condition, and that's generally my. Uh, my nervous thing is I'll, I'll just you know scratch because I'm constantly at at all times of the day I'm itchy. Is psoriasis? Are, are there like various levels of severity for that? Sure. Because yeah, I feel like can. I've heard of horrible cases, and but I've met you and you don't I mean you don't look uh, you're not covered in sores or anything. Right. No. I, I uh, there's definitely you can have like a patch in the back of your leg and hey I've got psoriasis but you can also you know have it full on your on your face and your hands and such I have the kind that doesn't lend itself well to the beach you know I'm not going to take my shirt off and and be in an action movie or anything like that um what, but it's, what, uh, what, what sort does work at the um, wait why because you, you have dry skin that's all you're saying 
Well, no, I've got, I've got to, you know, if I were to take my shirt off, it would be <clears throat> kind of a freak show. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, for wow. Sure. So, um, beneath, when you met me, uh, I was... You're close on. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was obscuring my true nature. Uh, underneath, it's all freak. Wait, can I ask you a question? Did you have that in college, like high school and college then? Uh, I got it in college. I, you know, I had it grown up, but it was really, I, I didn't have anything in college until I got mono, and then that triggered something and after that it's uh your your immune system fell apart exactly wait so so when you had that in college because i imagine um i mean lord knows i'm still not comfortable with my body um and i i'm sure i wasn't in college and i wonder like is that a thing is like a conversation you have to have before like if you're if you're with a a young lady hey listen i just want you to know that while i am um, dashing and hilarious Right. There's going to be a thing that I have no control over. I just have, I, uh, you know, I, I have psoriasis. This is a thing that it, when I take my shirt off. No, no, because you know, when you, unless you're in a relationship, right, you could just you know, nah, baby, it's cold in here. I'm keeping my shirt on. Is that right? Yeah, and that's you know, it would keep, you people keep their shirt on and and uh, uh, various situations of of that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't that awkward. It was, you know, just. Uh, and that's how I talk, by the way. I would always, no, nah, baby, <laughs> no, nah, baby. Yeah, I'm gonna keep my shirt on. Come on, what's the big hassle? No, nah, so it wasn't. It wasn't that big a deal. It, it wasn't, wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I went, I, yeah, I guess it's not. But um, but I, I was just wondering if that would, because I, I know if I had, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I just don't deal well with things like that. It, um, I wouldn't know right. what to say. No, but, you're, I, but you, but you, but you, you've reproduced with a woman. Yes, I have. Uh, and I assume you took your shirt off at some point. She still doesn't. Oh, she still God, doesn't. She yeah. listens to this podcast. Yeah. Everything's right. No, no, yeah, she, she is, uh, she is cool with it. She's, uh, uh, I'm very lucky to have an understanding wife. Uh, well, it's not like you caught. It's not like you caused it. Right, and and I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. When you are. Uh, interested in 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 Grand Brisby, you you're throwing looks out the window, but it, to some extent, right off the bat, you've already told yourself, yeah. you know, I'm I'm okay with an imperfect looking person, yeah. it just just by getting in the door, because yeah. clearly, you know, I am not. Uh, uh, I thought handsome. you're fine. I thought you're fine looking. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I'm like I'm cute, you know, <laughs> but am I hot? No, I don't know. Where's the line? <laughs> no. We will. We'll, we'll look for it. We'll look for the line. Uh, um, this, is I mean, like you, weir- this is weirder than volcano talk. I'll tell you that. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. You did. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. That was I studied, weird. I studied for volcanoes for like an hour before this, and it turns out you're not going to ask anything about volcanoes. No, I had none. I had none plans, but I didn't know about uh, surprises. I um, I uh. Yeah, I, I tried to quiz it because most of my defects are, um, I mean, they're physical, but they're in the brain part of the sure. body. Sure. <laughs> and so, um, so it, I guess explaining them is weirder. I did have a thing, um, I did have a thing for a while where I couldn't breathe without, um, like, I, I couldn't breathe unconsciously. Oh, wow. So I had to, like, manually, like, inhale and exhale. And, uh, which is it, like, a physical manifestation of a, of a mental sure. disorder, which can happen. Um, but you, you said that the psoriasis didn't start until you had mono. Is that just is that a is that a thing that happens? I think so. I mean, I had it. 
Yeah, it, it seemed to get uh, triggered by various things. When I was in high school, it got triggered by, yeah, I got poison oak, and that triggered it. But then it went away, uh, and college was mono, and then it never quite went away after that. It's just, it, it's getting, you know, progressively, uh, encroaching more and more, uh, on various parts of my person. <laughs> Um, is this is this getting weird for you? Uh, no, <laughs> no, you can handle. Oh. No, I just yeah. This is. Uh, I read. This is, um, this see, is a story I've always wanted to tell. No, I know. Yeah, I know because. Um, so like a thing happens. I don't know if it happens for you when you when you read certain writers, but like, um, and it could just you know it could come from meeting people. Doesn't have to read their writing, but there are certain things that like you you see a line or whatever. And you make assumptions about someone or like the sort of things you could say about them. And I mean, I've read, um, I mean, at different points, I've, you know, sometimes I've read quite a bit of your writing. Other times, you know, I go a while without it just because I'm already getting so much baseball that sure I can barely, you know, I can, I can't even tolerate my own voice. Sure. I hear, um, I know exactly. Well, you, cause you can't tolerate my own voice. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, that was. That's what I was implying. Yeah, no, I guess. It's supposed to be unspoken, but yeah. But you had a line, um, and you're one of the people who can who can do this to me, um, and it's good and bad, but you had a line in your uh, – you wrote a piece. I think it was for for the main site at Baseball Nation. Uh, you wrote a piece about, about that parade, which we mentioned, and you had a line about um, the media corral. Mm-hmm. And you said uh, the media corral isn't for like real media, like they're all conducting interviews. It's for like it's for you know like us second rate sorts. And you said, and then you, there was like a pause or maybe like a paragraph break. You like, in fact, like there's a guy next to me who I think uh, is writing about parades for about.com. Right. Um, that line there like represents to me it represents to me a number of things. Like it's the sort of I mean it's a line I wish I had written. And, and couldn't and couldn't um, and so like on the one hand like it makes me it makes me um, jealous of you but it makes me also think that um, that you wouldn't mind that you wouldn't mind a weird conversation. <laughs> Is that right, those, no. those good assumptions? Yeah, that's a, that's a good assumption. I'll yeah. uh, I'll I'll take the bait uh, wherever you're leading it, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's not. Right. No, know. it's it, it was it, it was weird because I don't really consider myself a real journalist you know I, sometimes you get you get people you know what's what's the difference between blogs and, 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 and real journalism and and some people get like really strident you know I'm, I'm a blogger that means something damn and i should have access i should whereas my perspective is you know i'm just a, a giant fanboy and i just I, I i need to write with the passion so i'm uncomfortable when i'm put in a situation where i'm not supposed to have that fashion or passion you're not you're not supposed to cheer in the press box you're not supposed to wear gear and i've always felt like if i do that it would be, it's not, it's not my shtick, you know, that, that's not, that's not why yeah, I, I have tens of readers, you know what I mean? Yeah, right, well, you, yeah, ten, I mean, literally. <clears throat> so, here's a question. You, you describe yourself as a Giants fanboy. Um, is there a sure. thing that would, that could happen, theoretically, uh, that would, I guess, make you fall out of love with the Giants? I don't. I. It would have to be something pretty extreme. I mean, it, at this point, I can't think of even like a, a hyperbolic scenario where it would be like, well, you know, done with that team. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be like, is, is the franchise covering up a murder? 
you know, I mean, it's, it's something going to come out. Um, so something gross, you, you're saying? Like right. Something, something like morally, morally reprehensible. Right. And I, you know, I can't think, you know, it, 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 if it came out that during the, the Barry Bonds era that the team was actively supplying and injecting Barry Bonds with all manner of whatever they could find on the black market, I would still, you know, go, boy, they shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But I would still cheer and root for the team just as I always have going forward and that sort of thing. So it would have to be something pretty extreme. And I can't even think of, of a scenario that would, that would uh, change that. What part of your, of your fandom now is, is sort of informed by the, the community of Giants fans and then specifically like the community of McCovey Chronicles. Cause like I know, I know that um, not having a team, um, not having a team now for me, um, when I have occasionally like gone back and like visited um, over the monster of the SB Nation blog for the Red Sox, sure, I'm reminded, and it's especially nice because I don't live in that area anymore. I'm reminded of what it's like um, at some level to kvetch with other fans, right? And then I also realize because I sort of I sort of fell away from the Sox before. Um, these these internet community communities were as well defined. Like I would read sure. Sons of Sam Horn, um, but it wasn't it wasn't quite the same sort of thing. It, probably just because like you know like the programming didn't exist yet. Um, right. And but I know that now that would be like that would be like ninety percent of why if I said oh I'm a Red Sox fan now again, like ne- like most of it would be to be part of that community and have a like a um, a sort of working knowledge of you know certain players and names and um, narratives within you know within the fan base and not and not just about the team even uh, it could be regionally oriented as well sure i mean what what percentage now do you think that um, that, that is kind of like that is uh, informing your fandom <laughs> quite a bit cuz it's really how i get, i'm in touch with other fans uh, when i started writing on the internet about the Giants, I lived in Oregon, and I didn't know another Giants fan. I, I couldn't, you know, even if I wanted to talk Giants in person, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to. Whereas now, you know, there's Giants fans all around me, but I'm a shut-in, and, I, you know, I don't go outside so much because of the nature of my job. Uh, I Kleenex boxes on the feet, that sort of thing. And I'm not, I'm not really privy to any other conversation about the Giants, it's all internet-based. And so that, that totally informs my fandom as far as... It's, it's really kind of an echo chamber because a lot of it is my community, which is a very... You know, it's not really a wide swath of people. It's, it's the people who dug down and dug down and, and dug to the bowels of the internet to get to this site that's all about the Giants, all about the most esoteric things having to do with the Giants minor league moves, uh, people getting removed for 40-man rosters causes freakouts, whereas the typical Giants fan, you know, they're not going to care that, that Justin Christian was designated for assignment. You know, why would they? Because it doesn't mean anything. But somehow I, I'm i on the Internet with this echo chamber of, of, of hardcore fans. And, you know, we'll, so, yeah, that, I mean, that that's informing my fandom for sure. It's, it's what it's become. It, it's almost exclusively on the Internet. Yeah, I think that um, I mean what you mentioned about Justin Christian, like th- that to me, especially um, if if you're engaged with the game quite a bit, um, you know, for hours a day, c- certainly more than a casual fan. 
that's kind of where the pleasure comes. Like you know, like you probably know as a Giants fan that Buster Posey is going to be a big part of the team. Right. And I don't know, may, maybe for you writing an article about how Buster Posey is important to the team um, bring, brings a certain pleasure with that. But that's also kind of a thing that everybody knows. People who you know who are fans of other teams know that Buster Posey is important to the team. And so, like when you're writing about Justin Christian, that's a thing that is kind of like a uh, that's a that's a that's a thing that belongs merely to Giants fans and a certain type of Giants fan as opposed to everybody. Right, right. I mean, it's 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 funny to look at in retrospect how much I freaked out over trading Thomas Neal for Orlando Cabrera. I mean, it's just it's a year later, and that trade is it mean anything to anyone in any context. But at the time, it was just such a crime against humanity and Giants fans in general, and just just something just to rage over. Um, and I guess that I guess that's my function is is to not have the foresight, to not have the the wider perspective. I mean, my job is to not have the wider perspective. I, I think at times and just to. To, to freak out like a fan would, um, and to be really embarrassed about it afterwards. Well, you, you've had a couple of, it, it's funny you mentioned the, the Thomas Neal trade. You've also had some sort of in-between trade, because I think you guys, uh, was it Tim Alderson? Yes. Who, whom you traded to Pittsburgh, uh, for Freddie Sanchez, I'm guessing. Yes. Right. Okay. And then there was also, I think, I mean, wasn't Zach Wheeler in, in the Giants system? Uh, yeah. Zach Wheeler was traded for Carlos Beltran. Right. And so I imagine that those were partial freakouts too, especially in uh, the Beltran trade because you only had Beltran for for what six months or no less than, of course less than that like two three months. Right. Right. And Wheeler's now you know I mean I think kind of the the uh, consensus number one overall um, prospect in the Mets system. Right. It was the freakout for Alderson was much much worse. Uh, in that, uh, I think maybe we were underwriting Freddie Sanchez, uh, his defense and such. And he was, it was Alderson, Bumgarner, uh, Posey, I think at the time Posey, and, uh, uh, Alviolona. And those were like the, this co- core of four prospects and they were kind of linked together, even though that's a silly way to look at a minor league system. But you said, you know, as long as you're not touching one of the big four, you can make whatever trades you want, Sabian. And then he goes and trades Tim Alderson. And in retrospect, he was privy to information we didn't have. Obviously, he was getting reports daily from people who knew what they were talking about, uh, to, to said, you know, I'm not so sure about this Alderson guy. His, his velocity's down. Um, he, his delivery's getting a little funkier. So Sabian's using that to, to, to trade. But at the, at the time, it was just like the, our top prospect for a year and a half of Freddie Sanchez. So there's a huge freakout. Whereas the Wheeler for Beltran trade, Beltran's great. Everyone knows Beltran's great. And you had that taste in your mouth of 2010 and you wanted to get back to the World Series. And then you're thinking, well, maybe they'll re-sign Beltran. So I was actually okay with the, the worst trade. You know, I'm, I'm actually really awful at my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at, at predicting baseball and writing about it. Uh, but yeah, that, with those two specific prospects, the freakout was much greater for the minor trade that actually turned out really, really well. And then the, the trade that might have long lasting, huge implications down the line. I think a lot of us, and especially me, I, yeah, okay, you know, that's the price of business. Does it, well, you said you're not good at your job. And I, I, I assume that at some level, and probably um, most levels, you don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that um, 
because your job, what uh, on the one hand is to is to make assessments about whether you know, like again, like a transaction was, um, you know, ultimately good or bad for the for the club. But your job isn't your job also to just create the the sort of parameters for the conversation. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure, and it's. I think once you accept the fact that when you're writing about baseball, you're going to be wrong so, so often. I mean, you have to accept that or else you're going to get really weird and, and the calcified and always think that you're right. Um, so once you accept, you know, hey, I'm just going to be wrong. And I think my job is to be entertaining as possible while still attempting logic, you know, attempting to be rational. Um, so it's just kind of that's what I'm trying to do. Is I'm trying to entertain while being, you know, being able to prove my point. And say, here's why I think that. A lot of the guys on the Giants are, um, they not only look weird, um, but they appear to behave weirdly, and it's definitely a quality in a lot of them. I mean, certainly, you know, Brian Wilson, notably uh, Tim Lincecum in his way, um, and the number of. Uh, Strange beards, etc. Between uh, you know Sergio Romo um, right. and friends, uh, the team is known for for having weirdos, uh, right. as of right now. But I, I'm curious because I noticed that there's a thing that's like there. Baseball is a is a sport that has a lot of um, cons- kind of. Um, Conservatism surrounding it, and I'm not I'm not talking political at all, although that might be part of it. Um, but there are a lot of baseball players, um, and it seems like it seems like it is native to the sport to um, distinguish oneself by means of one's play, as opposed to, um, I guess, uh, particularly noticeable like physical traits or behavior, or you know, outlandish sort of behavior. Right. Um, especially for young players, I'm sure, but, but I think that goes across the board. Um, and then I, so I think that there is a tendency if there, you know, if, if a pitcher or, or if a player, um, has one trait you can look at and say that's noticeable, then fans, especially, you know, probably, you know, young men 18 to 49 or whatever, will gravitate towards that immediately, um, even though it may not be appreciated, like, within the fraternity of players. So, like, you know, yeah, Brian Wilson acting weird or Tim Lincecum's long hair. Um, right. Sergio Romo's yep. beard. I'm curious, though, do you, are those guys actually weird or are they what we might call baseball weird? That's funny. I mean, it's – when you bring up – when you're bringing up Tim Lincecum as was one of the examples, in my head I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't buy him being weird. I think he's got long hair, uh, but I – I don't, you know, the nickname the freak, which en- encompasses the pitching ability. Plus, you know, it, it kind of has that connotation that that he's just so out there. I, I think Lincecum's one of the more normal guys on the team, and and, and the same thing with the, you know Barry Zito. Barry Zito gets, oh, he's into yoga or he plays guitar or whatever. You know, Barry Zito seems like a pretty you know normal guy. Uh, he just kind of. Uh, He's got that that a uh, lot of the growing up in California interests and stuff like that. Uh, I think Sergio Romo is a pretty normal guy. I think he he's got baseball weird. You know, he's got the the beard. So yeah, baseball weird is a good way to put it. But I think you know if you're talking about or talking with him, you know, he's not going to all of a sudden you know put his keys in his mouth and turn around and walk away. Uh, I think 
I think the Giants are filled with normal guys. I think Brian Wilson is kind of a funny case. I think he's gotten to a point where the act went on so long that it didn't become an act. I mean, I've known people like that my whole life, you know, in high school, all of a sudden the kid who, who thinks he's weird, one day he's like legitimately weird. <laughs> and I, you know, like all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, I had a friend in, in high school who was big with the non sequiturs and, and just his sense of humor was out there and he was kind of the funny guy. And now he's writing and directing independent slasher films that are so gory and so horrifying that like horror magazines are, are like flagging them for this is as gross as you're going to get in the independent slasher community. So, you know, he, at some point he got really weird and I still love the guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's still a, a friend, Yeah. Uh, but at some point he just, he wasn't a caricature weird. He just became, you know, his brain was working differently. And I can kind of maybe see that with, with Brian Wilson. Um, I think I think there's a there's an earnestness there that when the lights go down, I don't think he he goes you know glad I don't have to keep that up right right you know I, I think there's there's something there I think the real weirdos would be you know someone like Pat Burrell who you hear these whispers of these stories about his partying and, and just uh, general on the road behavior and that's the kind of weird that that I think maybe goes unnoticed because it's almost kind of in that traditional framework. But it's it's tightened and, and, and exponential. I, I don't know. Like if that that's the of all the giants who've come and gone, the one who fascinates me the most is is Pat Burrell. Right, because you can't understand. Like, is he just is he still like a like a party guy? Like you might be at where do you go right. Miami or something? Right. Or or is there something that uh, what is it like? Is it beyond that? Is that the question? Yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think it's beyond that. I think he's. I, and these are just whispers. You know, I've heard it, 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 anecdotes from people that I wouldn't repeat because it's second and third hand and stuff like that. But just every piece of information that comes to me about what Pat Burrell's like off the field is just fascinating because he it just seems like he's, he's just a little, little off. And it's the same thing with Phillies fans. You know, I, I follow a lot of Phillies, uh, Phillies fans on Twitter. And anytime something comes up with Pat Burrell, they're fascinated by it too. I mean, obviously he was a Philly for much, much longer, but it's the same kind of fascination at least for the, the internet fan, that, that little clued in, like, ooh, you know, here's a Pat Burrell joke about him, you know, fathering your, your bastard son or, or something like that. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It, Pat, Pat Burrell's an interesting cat. Are you – wait. Well, you mentioned your daughter. That's your child. <laughs> See, that's the joke. It could be Pat Burrell's. Could be, could be Pat Burrell's. <laughs> I remember Rob Nyer, uh, who's your boss at some level, I guess. At some level, yes. he's your boss, um, relating to me a story about Steve Garvey. Uh, concerning Steve Garvey is because at one point I, I guess he was traded from the Dodgers uh, from, to San Diego. Right. And uh, he also simultaneously, I believe, uh, had developed a reputation as a womanizer. Yes. Uh, philanderer. Is that what that is also called? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. And uh, there was a shirt that was popular in San Diego at the time. Uh, it, it said, Steve Garvey is not my padre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Right. Some reference yeah, Steve, to Steve Garvey is like the original Pat Burrell. Um, you know, kids up and down the state. Hey, there's a blog, Sons of Steve Garvey. I mean, it's uh, yeah. Wait a second. So, but okay, because here's the thing that people say, and I feel like Wade Boggs had to come out as this uh, and say like he's addicted to sex. Is that a thing? Did he have a sex addiction? That that kind of sounds familiar with the the Margot Adams thing. Oh yeah, wait. I forget. This is. I was like just barely sentient at this time. 
Right. What was the right. Margot Adams thing? Uh, it's some sort of affair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the, I didn't really know uh, uh, what sex was. Uh, yeah, when right. that was all coming out. I was like 17 year old, you know, something like that. Um, so I didn't really understand what was going on, what the adults were talking about. But no, I, I remember there being something to do with Margot Adams. I know the name. Uh, he was cheating on his wife. And of course, it's Boston, so it's going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit more of a national story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there do was you, something there. Do you ever get suspicious um, or, or are you a little bit um, – do you feel the term – wait, are you dubious about or is the term dubious regarding the term sex addiction? Because don't you feel a kind of um, – certainly most red-blooded American man, men, like given the opportunity, would be sex addicts? Kind of, but uh, as a uh, expert baseball blogger, I'm pretty qualified <laughs> to offer my my opinion on this. I would think that there's probably some point where it crosses the line to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to uh, go to the birth of my child because I'm going to go seek out a, a hooker or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I, you I, shouldn't I, do that. That's bad. It, you know what I mean? It, it, there's some point where it's not like, well, if it's here, okay. Yeah. And it, it's, no, I'm going to destroy myself looking for this, any of this. Um, that would be in my professional opinion. Yeah, right. Your professional opinion. You mentioned, I won't, I won't make you uh, do this much longer, just to, just <laughs> so you know. But I do have a question, though. Uh, I do know that you've sort of um, mentioned the, you know, what you, I mean, you, you know, describe your job. Uh, you said Giants fanboy. You said you're sort of like a bit, you know, you're, you're essentially a fan who also has capacity to write. Sure. And someone agrees to compensate you for that, which congratulations. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Thanks, thanks, world. Yeah, thanks. Um, Work. I, a thing that happens and is maybe less uh, uneasy now than it has been, or, or maybe it's the same. I don't know if, if it's different, maybe uh, metro region to metro region. But I do know it – I feel like I've seen the beat writers for some of the area papers there or area media outlets, whatever they are, um, make some contentious remarks. And I wonder if it, if it is I, – I, I mean the only, the only name that's really coming to mind is Hank Schulman or Henry Schulman. Sure. There's sure. also and, – and I don't necessarily know what I, – I had probably been putting Andrew – Baggerly into that same category, but I noticed just mm-hmm. the other day he tweeted out that, um, in fact, Jeff Sullivan, um, your former colleague, my present one, uh, had done some excellent analysis on uh, right. Marco Scudero. So, so maybe he's not part of this conversation. But I feel like I've also seen one or both of them make, um, like, slightly, uh, uh, or maybe you know, irresponsible um, comments on Twitter before, especially directed at like Wendy Thurm. I feel like is a thing that's happened. Right. Um, and now, again, though, I've only kind of witnessed all of this in a secondhand way, and I could be completely contorting the facts as well. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, though, what's that What's that relationship like? And do you feel as though it's native to something about San Francisco, or, do, or does it extend beyond that? Uh, well, for, I think the one who gets people riled up on Twitter is Hank Schulman, as far as uh, using the Hilltill kind of resort to the stereotypes of the, the stat lovers and such like that. My first, and it's weird because my first experience with, with him on the internet was I used to be very active in a Usenet group, uh, all sports, baseball, SF giants, and it was a real kind of small community. I mean, it, it wasn't compared to the, the 
internet super hives that we have now of baseball activity. Um, this was a you know, real small news group. You know, you had a lot of regulars. And he would come in and say, you know, hi, I, I write for the Chronicle, and I'm interested in these new stats. Can you tell me about them? And we would have real good-natured debates. Uh, he would say, you know, that doesn't ring true. And and there'd be open conversation, and, and, and he was interested in learning, and he would, you know, be up front and saying, you know, I, that doesn't really interest me, and I don't, I'm not sure if I think that's true. But it made me respect him a lot. Um, so it's surprising now to see him, you know, be so dismissive. I think he just got tired. I mean, Twitter, when you have 20,000 followers or 30,000, however many he has, you're going to get a lot of, you know, chuckleheads tweeting back at you and, and being rude and, and internet tough guys and, and such. Uh, so he might have just snapped and just said, you know what? I'm going to just harass all the, the, the stat lovers today because it uses me. Um, so it surprises me, but I, I still I have a lot of respect for how he came in there and the, this is the, mid to late 90s and you know interacted uh baggerly's great we, we communicate a lot um uh, we have for for years he's, he's always been really supportive of me uh so he's he's uh maybe a little bit more sabermetrically sound or or, or willing to, to listen than, than shulman um but uh he's been great and the other, the opinion guys, uh, you'll have Ray Ratto, uh, Bruce Jenkins is, is the one who just wrote this, uh, yeah, he, he'll resort to, you know, like literally bloggers in their basements jokes. Um, I have no contact with them and I, I don't think they really care uh, to know who the people in their mom's basements really are. I don't, I don't think they, they know I exist. I don't think they, they would care even if they did. Um, so I don't, and I guess you asked a question, and the larger question is: Is this just San Francisco? And I, no, I think it's just personalities. I think you you would find it anywhere, from Des Moines to Dubuque. Those aren't that far apart. Hmm. So you're just saying the upper mid, upper Midwest? Just that you know, stretch of land. <laughs> <laughs> the. <laughs> the um, yeah, that's interesting, and and I know what you mean. I, I, it's always frustrating. I feel like whenever I read um, that uh, that idea invoked about the blogger in his mom's basement, I feel it makes me sad. Not because I feel personally attacked, um, um, because I uh, I don't, and I guess I'm just I'm so used to personal attacks anyway. It wouldn't matter. The uh, uh, most of them in the house, most of them in the house. Um, but the um, it makes me sad because it's ba- because it's poor writing, I guess, is the idea. Like that's just right. that's just bad form as a writer. Like you haven't. This is not. This is clearly going to be something. And it, there's a thing that I've noticed um, that happens, and and I, it's probably just because I was really naive before. But I think Twitter speeds it up. I think uh, I think having things available via Twitter um, m- makes it more um, obvious. Is is I, I guess what's called like a, what is it called page page view page uh, link bait link bait sure is that a word right or just knowing that that certain um, phrases or ideas are going to uh, are going to attract a certain number of readers right so if right. you can't so the thing is like quality of writing is tough to evaluate i guess i mean we certainly um, i mean i feel like my viewpoint is objective right right um i'm shocked to learn that other people have different opinions you know <laughs> but it is the case whereas page views though 
um, page views are like a real thing that exists. Right. Right. So I, I, I could see a case where you could get cynical. You could be like, you could feel like, oh, I've been busting my ass to do good work and, you know, to what end? Whereas if I just slip in, um, like certain phrases, like I know, I know at Fangraphs, um, like anytime we put the word best or best ever, et cetera, right. like I did a post yesterday, it said, uh, um, you know, like, uh, the player with the, uh, let's see, most, most selective hitters in baseball or something like that. Baseball's most selective hitters. If you put right. a, if you put a superlative in, um, in a title, it's going to get more page views than if you right. don't. That that's the G. Everyone likes to bash Bleacher Report, but it's overlooking how genius out of that business model is. You know, when you when you're using those keywords, the most overrated, the most underrated. Right. You but have to click on it. You're compelled to. You do, but the other thing is like, I guess what is the? Because I I also know that I find it tasteless. Even if I even if I am clicking on it, I feel. Um, well, I mean, some of those things are fun. Like sometimes you just want to see a leaderboard and whatever, you know. Right. But at the same time, you, you don't you don't have the impression while you're clicking on it. You're like, oh, this is going to be important. Or like that that article you're talking about. Like anytime you hear a mention of blogger in his mother's basement, you're like, this is going to be. A, if there are a number of different types of pleasure, this is the one <laughs> where this is the sort of pleasure where I'm happy to be feeling disgust. Right. Right. And that is a. I think that is a pleasure that's wide-ranging, whereas like the pleasure of Grant Brisby's comment about um, a, a guy from About.com writing <laughs> writing a post about um, you know about a guy you know writing writing about parades. Right. Um, that is that is the pleasure is greater. The right. pleasure is greater, perhaps because or perhaps not because, but it's. It's it's at a it's at a, a smaller sliver of of the audience or at, at you know the the general public. Right, right. But I mean, it's it's going to see fewer eyeballs. Um, it is, but the point is like, Grant. I'm, yeah, I guess it's a, it, well, it's a question of whatever virtue. Like either you say, well, you know, <clears throat> I could write very well, I could write very poorly. I'm going to die in the end. Um, <laughs> you know why? You know why kill myself? If right. if um, you know writing posts with superlatives in it is going to make me comfortable or perhaps more comfortable than I would be otherwise, on the other hand, you're like, well, you know, I mean, what's the difference in comfort? Like either I have like you know more property or less property, I still have you know a bed to sleep on, and I'm going to die anyway, so I might as well be virtuous. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can see arguments right. for both sides. No, it's a, it's a fine balance because just yesterday or two days, whenever Disney. Bought Lucas Lucas Arts and, and, and acquired the Star Wars property. Uh, Rob mentioned to me. He said, "You know, remember how Disney screwed up the Angels? You know, is there some kind of way to tie that into like uh, how they would script Star Wars? You know, we're just he's kind of kicking this idea around, and it's it's tempting because the idea didn't strike me at first, but putting baseball in a Star Wars context on the internet." You, it would be hard to screw that up. It's kind of like it's it's this easy, low-hanging fruit, and it's going to probably do traffic even if it's not that good. And I could make something not that good. I mean, I was not scared about that part. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm thinking about it, but it didn't really appeal to me 
and I still might do it. I mean, you might, <laughs> you might, like in a week, all of a sudden there's this tweet that's, that surfaces, you know, how Disney, Angels, Star Wars, and all the keywords are going to be in the headline. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, so the temptation's there, and I don't know, it's hard, because you can't just go out in the world and create a third base coach getting hit, hit in the nuts with a foul ball. I mean, I guess you can. Technically, but in general, the things that you know, like that I would be comfortable writing about that I know would do just crazy traffic, usually don't just, you can't plan for them. It has to be, uh, the Marlins. All of a sudden you've got this crazy structure that's being planned and you can't go out and look for it. It has to kind of come, come naturally. And uh, that's the kind of link bait that I like to do. That just, when it's something that's out there, and it's kind of a story or, you know, it would be a story uh, just trying to make it interesting and be relevant to people who might not care otherwise. I'm less interested in most overrated, uh, the least under, you know, all that, all that stuff. That That's a little less out of my wheelhouse. I think. Least underrated. I actually, if there was something called least underrated, I, at first I'd be like, oh, I recognize those words, but I was like, wait a second, those don't deserve to be paired together. I don't think I intended to be that confused. Maybe I, wanted, I, maybe I know, could do an article on that. Yeah, now I want to say least underrated because is it the same as most overrated? <laughs> no, totally different. Totally it's totally different. different. Least, it's the least underrated. It's the least underrated. Right. Least <laughs> underrated. But So what you're still suggesting is that it, the person's underrated. But it's like the person we're talking about is underrated but just a little bit. Yeah, not as much as y'all talking about. Yeah, let's like we know, we know that the person's underrated, but not by much. Yeah, just, just you could cool it, guys. He probably should get more attention, but not not that much more attention. So not yet. So let's all just dial it back a little bit. I think, and that person could easily become least overrated very soon, especially <sighs> with that recognition of being least underrated, because there'll be a regression to the middle, and then maybe. Uh, there is a tipping point. Yeah. A, right, exactly, yeah. It yeah. could be the least overrated. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, okay, okay, we're talking about this guy too much, but really it's just a, an idle comment a day too much. Okay, let me ask you. Least overrated or least, 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 over, over, least, over, least overrated. Least overrated or least underrated Giants prospect. Joe Panic. No, no, I'm telling we're talking about Joe Panic right now. That's why I that's a bad segue. <laughs> I'm telling you that Joe Panic is now the topic of discussion. Got it, got it. He is uh, the most least underrated okay. <laughs> of the overrated prospects that people generally don't pay attention to. <laughs> I see what you did. I don't really see what you did, but I know that I heard a lot of the words you said. No, well, I'll diagram that sentence later. Okay, I want you to. The, um, the Chomsky-esque. Did you study Noam Chomsky at all? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I I got an English degree, but it was at San Jose State. Oh yeah, right. But you started in Oregon, right? Which was uh, another uh, Southern Oregon University. Southern, you're just trying to nail down all the really hot unis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you're not going to get a, a whole lot of scholarly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess it, you know that's not true. In San Jose State, if I wanted to focus on on uh, Steinbeck, that would be, actually be a really good school. Right. And for whatever reason, I, I wanted to just focus on Steinbeck. They have a great, uh, you know, they got professors Uh-oh. there. What's this? Folks. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, that's that's my phone. Uh, it, it said I have an email. Your phone tells you you got an email. 
Yeah, it, it buzzes and clicks and whirs. Is that from Jeff Sullivan then? Um, let's see, let's see. Yeah. Oh, this oh. <laughs> I'm blowing up over Hello. here. Hello. Um, no, it's, it's not Sullivan. It is uh, uh, my mother-in-law. Okay. Yeah, just uh, emailing you. Yeah, emailing me. Uh, oh, she was she was gonna she has control of my child right now, and she was going to bring by some pizza. Oh. And uh, now now there's no pizza. So that's what the text was. It was yeah. actually it's not an email. So it, it yeah. makes a similar sound. It's just blowing up. Hello, hello. Yeah. yeah. Now she says she's going to uh, she's going to the mall with my kid. Okay. So by the time you hear this, general yeah. audience, don't go looking for my mother-in-law, my 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 child at the mall. They're, they're already, already they're, home. They're likely done. The hazards of tape delay. I'm just going to throw this phone as far away as I possibly can. Yeah. Be careful though. <laughs> be careful. Um. So Joe Panic, um, Joe Panic, is a is a character um, I who appeals to me. I do these uh, fan graphs. I will do what are called scout leaderboards. Essentially, it's a way of dealing with small sample sizes. Sure. Um, and so I actually use the work from Russell Carlton uh, to regress, uh, essentially to produce like a, a WRC plus, right? Um, you know, offense relative to league average. On a scale where 100 is average and above 100 is is above average, produce one of those except using regressed uh, just home run rate, strikeout rate, and walk rate. And Joe right. Panic um, was acquitted uh, quite nicely um, by this figure last year, right? In the Arizona Fall League, and is um, among the the leaders this year in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, and yeah. he makes a lot of contact. Yeah, no, he's a, he's an interesting cat. I mean, as far as a prospect, a lot of contact. Uh, he doesn't have like that super crazy high walk rate, um, but um, you know, definitely there, there's something with that. I'm no minor league guru, but when you can look at a player, and he's pretty young for his league, he's not super young for his league, but he's on the, the younger side. I like looking at a player like that, and when you see that strikeout to walk ratio kind of in perfect harmony. He becomes five times more interesting to me. That's my inexact science of, of looking at a prospect. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm still really interested in, in Joe Panic. Yes, I am interested in him. Wait, so what are they going to do? Are they going to re-sign Scudero? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, I, I, uh, I said this before, but it's, it's not, I'm not being facetious when I say this, but another organization wouldn't be able to sign him and then have a bobblehead day. You know what I mean? Right. It's like if he comes back to the Giants, instant bobblehead day. Not just that, but instant jersey sales. Whoa, hello. Half shirt, half jersey. Yeah, no, I, I know what that is. We know what that is. I don't know. Uh, I've never actually said that word aloud, so I didn't know if it was going to sound weird. Do you uh, want some insider information? Yeah, go for it. Okay, let's do this. Um, so the last uh, couple, three weeks, we have been uh, asking our, our readers, and they have been responding to uh, – Project the average or the likely years and likely um, annual values mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of free agents. And I, I was actually um, just before we started talking, I was actually uh, aggregating all that data. And so I have here uh, what the people say is likely to be uh, Marcus Scudero's free market value. Um, so we can do this one of two ways: you can guess it, or I can tell you, and you can tell me what you think about it. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Two, you ready? Yeah. Here's what they're saying. Two sixteen. That's what they're saying. Two years, sixteen million dollars. Yeah. Not, not not annual value. Two two years. Right. 
16 million total. That's about right. I think, I think that's about right. I'm scared of a third year. I'm scared of someone like Coletti coming along and saying three years. Oh. But he is, Scudero is 37. 37, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think that's about right. Okay. I think maybe 218. You think maybe 218. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's another one, uh, that might be of interest to you. Uh, Angel Pagan. Yes. Or do I say Angel Pagan? Uh, I like to say Angel. Okay. Angel Pagan, um, you wanna do the other way this time? You wanna go the other, other direction? Where I... Yeah, you try it. it. You try it. Alright. Are you scratching your neck again? Are you rubbing your neck? Uh, no. I think oh. that time I just adjusted my sweater. Um, it's a nice Cosby sweater. I've got yeah, Cosby, okay. yeah. Uh, help yeah. Pagan. Yeah. I am going to go four years, 50 million. Okay. Okay, four years, 50 million. So that's four years with about uh, a 12 and a half per. Yeah, and that might be a little high, but I, I think that that's pretty close. Here's what the people have said. Okay. Here's what the people have said. Three years, $10 million per. Three years, $30 million. Ah. Um, you know what? Yeah. That might be more realistic. Okay. But you think um, – so maybe the Giants would be willing to pay more or what? Or are they going to – They can. And you know what? When I was pulling those those numbers from the uh, – From your person? From my person. I, I wasn't really thinking about the competition. But you, you've got Michael Bourne out there. You've got BJ Upton. You've got Victorino. You're going to have some competition in the center fielder markets. So I think maybe that'll knock him down a bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how enticed the Giants would be at a, a large deal four years and beyond. I'm not sure. Pagan's kind of a, a weird player to evaluate. You know, he got a late start in the bigs and he's 30 now, I think 30 or 31. Um, so when I'm saying that the four years, I'm not sure it's the Giants that give him. I think Scudero is sort of a done deal. I think the Giants are going to play footsie with with Michael Bourne and and, and maybe even Victorino. Uh, I think they're going to kind of play the market a little bit. I think they, they'll feel a little bit more comfortable because they also have Gary Brown, who might kind of sort of maybe be something one day. So I don't know. I, th- I think Pagan's not the sure thing that Scudero is. Okay. And I'll give you one more. I'll just tell you what the people are saying Um about uh, Milky Cabrera. Okay. Uh, they're saying 216, um, which could be low. Uh, but yeah. uh, That sounds about right. It probably would have been higher. Yeah, no, that was... Uh, the, while he was going nuts, there was a columnist in the Bay Area, I can't remember who it was, but said... If you give Melky Cabrera the Aaron Rowan contract right now, would you do, would you take it? If he were willing to sign that, now, of course he would. And at the time, we were all thinking, "Are you nuts? Five years, sixty million? Yeah, that's way too much for Melky." And then as he kept going on and kept going on, I think I don't know when the the, the tipping point was, but he blew past that. He was going to get, you know, six years, eighty million. It's just something silly. Uh, because he was having such a good season. He's relatively young, and, and you figured even with a six-year deal, he would be 33 at the end of it, I think. And that's not that old. You know, you can live with that lost year at the end of a contract like that. Uh, so, yeah, definitely less than what he was going to get. But, yeah, I think 216 sounds about right. Okay. I think the Rays. I think the Rays will. I think that's the they're, uh, they're kind of looking at ways to 
get good players and cut the cost. And I think they, they like looking at all the controversial players and the derelicts and the stuff like that. Ne'er-do-wells? The ne'er-do-wells, yes. All the ne'er-do-wells. All the ne'er-do-wells. Hey, listen, um, Grand Prix, I think, I think that I've uh, subjected you to enough. Um, and you've acquitted yourself very well. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, how do I, how do I rank? I mean, I'm better than Sullivan, right? Um, yeah, definitely better than Sullivan. Sullivan's weird. Sullivan's like a little bit autistic, I think. Right. You know, so if you ask him questions about certain things, like uh, on which he has some measure of expertise, he can talk for some time, you know? Right, right. But, um, it's that, but like you start talking about like normal social things, he, I mean, he just, he just dissolves. Right. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, not someone you would, like, you'd be excited to meet him, but then you, you're with him and you realize, oh, you know, yeah. crap, I'm out in public with him, and then it becomes awkward. Yeah, people see, people see you there with him. Yeah, he's, he's always chewing on things. Is that right? Just, yeah, I mean, he's just like gnawing. He's a gnar. Yeah, gnar. 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 Yeah, the, like, um, my big joke is I, I would say, yeah, you write about baseball, you're more like Rob Gnar. It's a, brought down the house every time. Oh. Sounds like it'd be bad for property values. <laughs> the, uh, That's it. Yeah, I made all that. Are you going to be at the winter meetings? No, no. I, I don't. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm not really a report. I mean, not I'm not going to be hustling for. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to be hustling for rumors. Okay. I would be there to maybe catch video of someone falling into the, the pool at the hotel. Well, like, I'll like tell you. Happened last year. So, uh, for whatever reason, David Appleman, uh, David Appleman, who's the CEO of right. Congress, has permitted me to go, uh, to go to attend, and Jeff Sullivan. Oh. Um, but I, again, I have no idea why, and uh, but I will not complain. Yeah, that's where, where are they? Is it in Nashville? Nashville, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Sullivan. He's got uh, Jeff Sullivan has a he, he probably, uh, extensive belt buckle collection. Is that right? And that would be – yeah. It's, seriously, it, it would, that would be a really good place for him to kind of bust that out. And uh, he loves the buckles. Lo- I call him Buckle Jeff. No, you don't. No, I, I, it, it's – you know, hey, here comes Buckle Jeff. Buckle Jeff Sullivan. Wait, in, so, that, in that scenario, who are you talking to? Because it sounds like you are like alerting some other people or at least one other person to the fact that Sullivan is arriving. Oh, when I'm – just hanging out with some internet baseball writer bros. Oh yeah, like at the you know, like at the at the Peach Pit. Oh man, I was gonna do the Peach Pit. That was the exact reference I was gonna do. Yes, at the <laughs> Peach Pit. <laughs> That's yeah, just hanging out with me and my baseball bros. And here comes here comes Buckle Jeff Sullivan. But yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that that is the default. That's hilarious. That that's the default meeting place for people who I guess grew up when we did. Yeah, that's right. Um, if we've ever grown up, am I right, Grant Brisbury? Brisbury. You, Brisbury. You got it. Okay. You, you that is it. him. That is him. Let's uh, stick around for a second for some adult conversation. But in the meantime, thank you very much. All right, you got it. I appreciate All right. it. All right, that's McCovey uh, Chronicles and Baseball Nations. Grant Brisbury. I'm Carson Sestule. This has been a weird Fangraphs audio.